Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Get together this morning. Well, folk, we continue uh, the series uh, on one another. And this morning I want to share with you on forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Imagine you were having an operation. In that next slide, you'll see that there seems to be perhaps one of us lying on um, the theater uh, bench, and the doctors and the surgeons are around. And you begin to hear certain things because the anesthetic is starting to wear off. And you hear some of these things, the one doctor saying to the other doctor, wait a minute, if that is his heart, what's that? (laughs) Or the doctor saying, hand me that thingy. Or the surgeon saying, oops. (laughs) Or perhaps the doctor says, Everybody stand back. I think I've just lost my contact lens. (laughs) Well, the doctor says, I just can't seem to concentrate today. (laughs) Well, perhaps you are coming out of this anesthetic and you hear, I wish I hadn't forgotten my glasses today. Or finally, are you sure this isn't the patient that's come in for an amputation? Now, folk, that could happen. It may not happen. And so if you reflect perhaps in your life uh, on people or situations that you found yourself into, how do you begin to relate to this topic of forgiveness? Because you can't touch it. You can't feel it. It's something that is abstract. But as you sit here this morning, try and put yourself in a situation or an event that something has happened to you, something that involves perhaps another person or people, and there needs to be forgiveness by you to them, or by them to you. I think we live in a, in a world where uh, it's impossible to live unless you're a monk or a nun in a monastery somewhere hidden away. Uh, even there you might be in contact with people. It's impossible to live in this world without being harmed or harming others. I know when I've harmed others, I pray for mercy. God, please, be gracious and merciful to me. In fact, mercy means don't give me what I rightly deserve for harming this person. Give me your grace. Give me something I don't deserve. But I know when somebody has harmed me, I want justice to be done. I want them to be wiped out. The quicker, the better. Lord, 
You're a just God. Wipe them out. But when I've done the harming, God, you know you're a merciful God. I've got to remind God who he is to be merciful to me. Now, friends, we all know that we ought to forgive. We all know that we ought to forgive. In fact, we read about it in Colossians 3.13, where Paul writes to the church in Colossae, and, and he's basically talking to them about what it means to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says to them, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now this is a profound verse because he, he's saying, bear with each other. And that word bear uh, means to, to keep upright, sustain one another, hold one another up as it were. Hold one another up because you know what? That particular person that need, you need to, to bear with has probably harmed somebody or has been harmed and needs to experience some sort of forgiveness. That's why bear with each other and forgive one another. And so he says if anybody has a grievance, um, you know, a blame or a fault or anybody has any complaints against you or have complaints against themselves. Be careful. Forgive them, he's saying, because just as God has forgiven you. I think we, we all know about the principles of forgiveness, but it's actually difficult to practice them. Difficult to practice them. The story of, uh, of a man who was driving his car on a cold night in February 2007 when the car holding Chris Williams and his family was hit by a 17-year-old drunk driver. Immediately, Chris checked on his children in the back seat and quickly realized his 11-year-old son and 9-year-old daughter had died. Then, as he watched, his pregnant wife sitting next to him exhaled for the last time. Meanwhile, Williams was in no, so much pain, he couldn't barely move his arm to turn off his car's engine. However, before he'd even been rescued from his car, Williams had this thought. Whoever has done this to us, I forgive them. I don't care what the circumstances were. I forgive them, he said. He proved as good as his word, going on to publicly forgive his family's killer and developing a relationship with him and his family. Today, Williams is a motivational speaker, sharing his incredible story of healing and forgiveness and inspiring others to extend mercy and forgiveness as well. You go, dude, are you serious? Are you serious? Somebody who crashed into you, who dealt you a knock and a blow and, and has put you so far back. You want to forgive that person and you don't even know who they are? This person who caused two of your living children to die and, and your wife with an expecting baby to, to, to die? You, you want to forgive them before you've even met them? I know that. I would struggle in a situation like that. And so we know that we ought to forgive, but how do we do that? So I want to ask a question this morning. Is it possible to forgive? Is it possible to forgive? Well, some famous people like Mahatma Gandhi said this, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness 
is the attribute of the strong. Bernard Meltzer said, when you forgive, you in no way change the past, but you sure do change the future. Maya Angelou said, it's one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself to forgive. Forgive everybody. Archbishop Desmond Tutu said it this way, forgiveness says you are given another chance to make a new beginning. Wow, how profound. Oscar Wilde said, always forgive your enemies, nothing annoys them so much. <laughs> Joan London said, holding on to anger, resentment and hurt only gives you tense muscles, a headache and a sore jaw from clenching your teeth. Forgiveness gives you back the laughter and the lightness in your life. Josh Billing says, there is no revenge so complete as forgiveness. And finally, Lewis Smedes says something extremely profound. says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. To discover that that prisoner was you. And so we know we ought to forgive. But what is forgiveness? Well, there are three different Greek words for forgiveness, and I want to just share them with you. In Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 12, uh, there are uh, three different passages you'll see up on the screen where, where we, we, we begin to read uh, in different contexts what this forgiveness actually means. The first one is Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, where uh, the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray. And he begins to teach them. And in verse 12, he says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That word forgive, afiemi, means to forsake, to lay aside, to leave, and to omit. And so when we pray, we're asking God to lay aside those things that we are guilty of. Just as we lay aside those things that people owe us in guilt because they need forgiveness. To, to, to set it aside. Not easy. Not easy. The second uh, word uh, is found in Ephesians 4.32. And this is the same word that's found in the previous uh, Bible reading passage that I mentioned, Colossians 3.13. It's be, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That Greek word is charizome. Charizome. We know the word for grace is chari. And so charizome comes uh, in connected with grace. So it's giving somebody a favor. It's showing grace. Be kind and compassionate to another. Showing grace, Paul is saying. Showing kindness. Showing pardon. And rescuing and delivering them is what that word means. By showing somebody grace because they've dealt you a knock and set you back, you're actually showing them grace and you're actually delivering them, if you like, 
from the, the guilt by setting them free. And then Luke 6, 37, where, where Jesus uh, is speaking about judging and, and condemning. And he says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned, but forgive and you will be forgiven. That word apolio, it's got to do with setting somebody free, relieving somebody that's been in bondage, if you like, releasing them to go. It's, it's kind of the concept of, of divorce. You know, put a schism between the two and, and they must go their separate ways. Put that away. Set that other person at liberty as you forgive and you'll be forgiven. Set that other person at liberty. And so those words are, are powerful. They're profound because they begin to help us to make a little bit of sense in how we try and understand and fathom how we are ought to forgive. Because often we make this tragic mistake as Christians that we believe, well, we're good Christians because we don't smoke, we don't drink, we don't go to bad places. But friends, it's more than that. It's more than that. When you enter into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's more than not smoking, drinking, and going to bad places. And if you're a good Baptist, you don't dance either, by the way. <laughs> but this idea of not doing bad things that will actually characterize us as Christians or not is not total Christianity. Because forgiveness is not easy to do. Because we're dealing with humans, and we're in a relationship with humans. There are people that will irritate us. We don't irritate others. There are people that irritate us, though. <laughs> of course we irritate others. And those who irritate us are called VDPs, very draining people. And there are heaps of us. And the sad news is that I'm probably one as well. There are people who rub us up the wrong way. And there are personalities that we clash with. And, and you know, the reality is that we, we, we find people that, will, that might sabotage our plans and our purposes. And we react to them, not in the best way possible. And so we have a choice this morning. We can ignore those knocks that have been dealt to us, or we can actually accept them and begin to deal with them. Ignoring them is not good. And so, as you sit here this morning, to try and make sense of what I'm talking about, try and add some sort of monetary value to a knock that you've received. And what I mean by a knock Something that has, has put you back, because that's what uh, has happened. Something perhaps that might be uh, worth a dollar, and has only put you back a dollar. Because forgiveness seems to be abstract, because you can't touch and feel. But as you think about a person or an event, try and put a monetary value of the knock that's been dealt to you to set you back. For me, a one dollar knock would have been uh, in the army uh, back in 1986, my second day in the army. Um, 
I was, uh, some of the guys had been in before me said to me, if you can become the colonel's driver or the general's driver, good place to be. You'll drive him and his family around to different places. When you take him to formal dinners, you can maybe sit on the side and, and also receive some really nice food and you know, go pick up the kids of the colonel and the general from school and drive them home. And, and it's really a cushy job. And uh, so we're, we're second day, uh, the, uh, lining up for haircuts. You know, um, and uh, the corporal came outside. Who's got a driver's license? Well, Christopher is super fast. Sir, Christopher has come here. Went inside. He says, "Grab a broom and drive this hair into the dustbin, because you have a driver's license." You kind of go, "Lord, this is not right." You know, hurry up, hurry up. Huh? My attitude was, I'm going to change the army. It didn't last too long. That's a $1 knock. That has put me back $1. And I can easily overcome that. took me two years to overcome. No. Um, (laughs) But perhaps you're sitting here, and and there are a number of $10 knocks that that are not as as bad, but they're a little bit more hurtful than my $1 one. Or perhaps you're sitting here this morning, you feel that... Right now, I'm so tender that that $1,000 knock will never, ever, ever put me back in my original place. In fact, I'm on the other side of the wall. That's how far back I am. Because it's knocked me so bad that I'm broken. I'm broken. And you can never, ever think that I'll, I can never, ever think that I'll ever be in that same position ever again in my life. It's put me back so bad. Something that has been so bad and traumatic that you think, I can never, ever recover in my life. Never. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you feel like that. Something that has been severe, that's brought about rejection and betrayal of trust and abuse that has traumatized you and put you so far back. Well, friends, that's quite possible. That's the reality of the day and age that we live in. But I want to suggest to you that God wants to pour his ointment over those wounds and to heal us. He wants to touch us. So he wants to restore us, to put us back in the original position, to allow us to worship him with all that we have and all that we are. Because unforgiveness can be extremely dangerous in my Christian walk. The author of Hebrews says it this way, when he speaks about the danger of an unforgiving spirit. He says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The message says it this way, make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. That word, bitter root, 
has got to do with uh, well, uh, root is riza, but the word bitter, pikriya, something that is, uh, something that is um, so bitter that it doesn't want to go down. So if I were to check the lemons on my lemon tree and I take one off and I, and I cut it open and I squeeze the lemon juice, I go, ah, that's bitter. That's, it's, the lemon is picross. It's, it's bitter. It's not sweet, if you like. It's, that, that word actually has a connotation of a sharp, piercing poison. Way more than my lemon juice. A sharp, piercing poison. It's bitter, and so because it's got a bitter root, it can't produce sweet fruit. Bitter tree, bitter roots create bitter fruit. That sharp, piercing poisonous, uh, poison. I've got a picture of a, of a big a tree there, and folk, uh, my uncle had a farm in South Africa, and uh, they just chopped down the trees in the one section of the farm. And he said to his son and I, uh, we were probably about 15 at the time, don't go in that section with a car. Don't go there because, you know, we still have to go and dig those trees out. But we've chopped them down, but we have to still go and dig the trees out because they've got roots. And you know, when you're 15, you know better. And so we went. It's far from the actual house. Our uncle or my uncle won't see us. So we went to that section of the farm. And as we went over one of those trees, kind of similar size to that, we, the, sh- the whole car got stuck on top of the tree. And all four wheels were off the ground and they lost traction. So you kind of go, the end is near. <laughs> we had to, we tried, we tried to push, it just didn't make, uh, it didn't help. So we had to walk back to the farm and my uncle said, no problem, we'll take the tractor and we'll try and see what we could do. I'll see you there. Uh, what about a lift? I'll see you there. Anyway, uh, he took two shovels and uh, we went and uh, he managed to get the car off the tree trunk and uh, slowly we were able to get the car back. But he said, boys, this tree seems to be a problem. You're going to need to dig it out. <laughs> I learned a quick lesson. It was a very long night and a very long next day. Because that tree that was a meter in diameter had roots. And those roots go deep. Very similar to that picture there. Where you think that uh, it's okay on the outside, but those roots, roots go deep. And that's what the author of Hebrews is talking about here, you see. That unforgiveness, unforgiveness, he says, uh, is, uh, brings about these roots that can grow deep. And to get rid of that bitterness, you have to clean it. I don't know what I'm talking about here, but Dr. Tembo might help us. That when a wound is not cleaned properly and it closes and it's dirty, it begins to fester. And you have to cut it open or open it again and clean it 
And that is painful. It's painful to get all that junk out. And I think that's what is being said here. Make sure that you don't harbor unforgiveness because that can bring about resentment, can bring about rage, it can bring about uh, anxiety, it can bring about bitterness, it can uh, eventually allow um, anger and depression to settle in, and you begin to find yourself in a really traumatic situation. And folk, as you sit here this morning, and perhaps you've been dealt a, a knock and a blow that set you back. You, you've been wounded. And you have this emotional trauma that's attached to you. I wonder if it doesn't take a miracle to put you back in the original position. And I want to see how we can allow God to do that in our lives. And so in closing, I want to share with you just a few uh, points to, to try to help us to understand that event, some of the events that, that touch our heart and cause it to respond in humility. Now, we heard about humility a couple of weeks ago because many, many times we can actually feel comforted by holding that resentment. We actually put a barrier around us. But what can we actually do to allow that barrier to to fall and allow God to, to work in our lives so we can be free. So we can actually experience not happiness, but joy again. I think firstly, forgiveness can occur through the miraculous intervention of God. It's nothing short of a miracle to put you back to the original place where you were before this knock was dealt and put you far back. I'm talking about those huge wounds that have left a gaping gap in our hearts. And God, perhaps through humility, through that miracle, wants to break some of, uh, you know, some of those barriers down. Some of those perhaps idols that we've created uh, around ourselves to protect ourselves, God wants to uh, maybe break that down and, and allow his work in our hearts. Secondly, through prayer. Praying for myself and praying for others. I had an uncle who was really bad news, dad's twin brother, really bad news. And I couldn't even pray for him. And, and Jesus says, pray for your enemies. I wonder if he ever knew what he was talking about at the time. But I think what Jesus was saying, exactly this. Pray for them. Mention their name. Because when you mention their name and pray for them, they no longer stay your enemies. When I had to pray for Uncle Andrew, uh, it was a shock. To, to, you know, it, I had to force myself to say his name. And the next time I saw, saw him again. You know, because what, what I had in my mind was enemy, enemy, enemy. I want to devour him. 
But when I began to pray for him, it started off with, Lord, you know this man that has harmed my family. Yeah, God knows who it is. Do you know who it is, Christopher? Well, mention his name. And I began to mention his name. That uncle that begins with an A. <laughs> and then eventually you get your mouth, your mouth to twist around his name and actually say it. And God begins to do something in your own heart and slowly to, be, to put you back in that position. Because he's, he, you know, by mentioning his name and praying for him, he slowly dissipates from being your enemy to now becoming your friend. And if he's good enough for God, surely he can be good enough for me. God, I pray, not that you wipe him out, but you'll transform him. Thirdly, to begin to, to worship God. To begin to worship God through praise. Singing songs about Jesus and, and turning the, depends where you are, turning the volume up a little bit. Through singing, through, through allowing God to be in his rightful position. Fourthly, to realize that we are caught up in hate. As Smeed said, you know, you're like a prisoner, and when you forgive, the, the, the one who's been set free, the realization comes that it's been you. It's been you that's been the prisoner all along. But as you've been able to set that person free, so you realize that you have been set free. It's huge. It's a miracle that begins to take place in your heart and in your mind. And fifthly, there's this transformation of our memories. This, this healing of, of these damaged emotions um, begins to take place. And, and folk, are, it's, it's not easy. Because those memories come and people might say, well, if you haven't truly for, um, forgotten, you haven't truly forgiven. I, I don't believe that. If you've truly forgiven, you'll know it in your heart. And sometimes those memories come back to you as a form of protection. Be careful it doesn't happen again. But only God knows when we've truly forgiven. It's in our heart. And so you begin to transform. You, there's a transformation. That Greek word transformation uh, has got to do with metamorphosis. A metamorphosis. A total change of our memories. Where you've, you've, you've actually allowed God to come in. And you haven't allowed those memories to carry on and fester. You see, when Paul writes all these things about forgiving one another and Jesus teaching us about these things, you begin to see that you cannot earn God's forgiveness. You cannot earn it. You can't do so many right things to say, God, now, you know, I was kind of in the negative and I've done all these good things and now I'm in the positive. Only God forgives. Only God forgives. Cannot earn it. Can't go and say, can I have $10 of forgiveness, please? No. It's not for sale. If we accept Jesus, we already have it. I want to end off by reading a story about putting Jesus in the situation. 
pastor was struggling to prepare his sermon and didn't want to be disturbed by his five-year-old daughter, so he removed a map of the world from his study. He tore it into pieces and gave it to his daughter to assemble with the promise that he would answer all her questions and play with her when she was done. He knew she would never be able to fix it. To his amazement, in less than five minutes, she returned to him in his study with a map in perfect shape, every continent and every country in its place. The surprised father asked, Honey, you don't know anything about geography, so how did you fix the world so easily and quickly? Five-year-old girl smiled sweetly and replied, the picture of Jesus was at the back of the map, and I knew that if I have Jesus in the right place, the whole world would be in perfect shape. That was just the right inspiration he needed for his sermon. He thanked his daughter and prepared a wonderful sermon on the subject, fix your world by placing Jesus in the right place. And I want to suggest to you, wherever you are and whatever wounds have been dealt to you that have put you back and you feel that you are sort of on the other side of the suburb, <laughs> that's how back you are. They're huge. They are huge in your mind and in your heart. I suggest to you that Jesus wants to come with a gentle rain. And he wants to restore us and put us in our rightful position again. Will he do it just like that? He can, because sometimes it comes in a flood. Other times it comes with a gentle rain, a gentle soaking rain. But he wants to put us in the place where we belong. And that's with him. Not so we can be happy but so we can experience his joy. I pray that you'll open your heart and open your, your mind and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and begin to do that. It could happen instantaneously. That's the miracle. But it could become the start of a great miracle in your life. Give God an opportunity to do that, I pray. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you've come, that we might have life and life to the full. And Lord, that is only possible if we put you in the right place. So my simple prayer is that, Lord, you will come. Come, perhaps in a flood, or perhaps with your gentle rain, and heal our hearts, and heal our memories, we pray. We desperately need you to do that. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.